0: You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope.
1: Jesus, amen. Christ is arisen. Hallelujah. Dear saints, a little while, says Jesus, in the text, in the gospel reading, a little while, seven times. A little while and you will not see me, a little while and you will see me. Some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me, And because I'm going to the Father. So they're asking, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. But we know. This little while is the little while that our Lord Jesus had to rest in the grave. The little while was the time between the crucifixion And the resurrection. And now Jesus, on the night before his crucifixion, is telling his disciples that I'm going to be gone for a little while. And the result is that you will be sorrowful. And the world will rejoice. But then, Jesus says, a little while later, three days, we know, and I will be with you. And the result? You will have joy. Great joy. Unassailable joy that cannot be taken from you. I'm going to die, says Jesus, but I will be back. And this is the point. The joy and the sorrow of Jesus' disciples is bound up to how it is with Jesus. Now I want to think about this and meditate on this this morning. The joy of the disciple is bound up to how it is with Jesus. So our own joy is bound up to Jesus. Now, the question to begin to diagnose ourselves and the state of our own conscience with this question, with with, with this consideration, is this question. What gives you joy? Now, I hope and pray that that is a long list of things. That we have joy in our family, that we have joy in our life, that we have joy in our work, that we have joy in the things that we see, and the things that we hear, and the things that we taste and smell, Of course, I suppose not every smell would give us joy or everything we taste or see would give us joy. But we would have joy in some of these things that we would watch the sunset over the mountains and have joy that we would watch our children or grandchildren take their first step or the dog chasing the squirrels or whatever it is that makes you smile. And we have joy in these things. And, and it's not only joy in the, in the things that we see, and the things we hear and taste and touch, but that we have joy that we can see and that we can hear, that we can taste and smell, that this itself is already good and a good gift from the Lord. And we have joy in all the things that the Lord provides. Clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, good friends, good neighbors, good weather, All the things that we need to support this body and life. We have joy in the good conversation between husband and wife. The good conversation that we have between friends in our family, even in our church congregation. And it's good to have joy, to in fact, to delight in these things. But there is danger also in this. And I suppose the way to get at it is is in this. That if we find joy in the things of this life, in and of themselves, apart from God, and we find joy in these things, not as gifts from the Lord, but in things that we've earned or things that have simply come to us, then this joy is dangerous. We're to delight ourselves in the Lord. In fact, the Scripture specifically commands us that our joy is to be bound up to God. and In fact, as as the disciples learned this day, that our joy is bound up to Jesus and not to the ups and downs of this life. If it is, we we live in a dangerous place. And I I think this this danger manifests itself in two ways. First, like this. If we have joy in the things of this world only, then they can be taken away. If we find our joy, for example, in the Rockies, (laughs) then Friday is a glorious day, And yesterday, not so much. In fact, if we find our joy in the Rockies, then April and May are normally very joyful months, and August and September, very sorrowful months, right? (laughs) And that is the same with all of the things of this world. If we find joy in our health, then our health is soon gone. You know that. If we find joy in the life, even in the lives of our loved ones, then that soon is taken away if we find joy in and of itself in our in our work or in our friends or in peace in the world or in whatever it is, then it's soon gone. I mean, the devil puts trouble everywhere. The devil hates it when husband and wife love one another and deal kindly with each other. So he comes with violence even into our homes, with, with temptation, with boredom, with whatever he can to disrupt the love of husband and wife. The devil hates it when parents and children love each other, so he comes in with frustration or with the temptation to rebellion or anger or whatever he can do to wreck what is good. The devil hates it when you have a good friend and you have a healthy and good conversation with that friend. He hates it when you have a bit to eat for dinner or when you have money in the bank. The devil hates it when you remember to bring your umbrella to church and it's raining He hates it all. He hates it when there's peace and quiet in the church, when pastor and people love each other and delight together in hearing the Lord's word and praying for each other and blessing each other. And so the devil assaults all of these things. He brings discord. He brings strife. He brings trouble. He brings temptation into the family, between parents and children, between husband and wife. He brings it into the state between neighbor, fighting against neighbor, or between ruler and citizen. He brings the strife into the church in all sorts of ways in the congregation, outside the congregation, and especially by false teachers in the church who draw our gaze away from Jesus and His mercy to ourselves or to our works or to the other person's sin or to whatever He can. And the result is this, that if our joy is in these things and these are taken away from us, Then our joy is also carried away with it. Joy is here one day, and it's gone the next. And this is a problem. But there's another problem, in fact, more serious. There's two, remember, two dangers in finding joy in the things of this world. That's the first, is that it's untrustworthy. But there's a, there's a, a more fundamental problem, and it's this. If we find our joy apart from Christ, we are, in fact, committing idolatry. Now, this is a hard word for me too, but it's an important word. The first commandment says, you shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. God first above all things. So we could add to that this, that we should find our joy in God above all things. If we look for our joy in anything more than in God himself, then we are, in fact, worshiping that thing, looking to that thing, putting our trust in that thing, that person or that occasion or whatever it is above God, and that is idolatry. I mean, we have questions to get at our, the idols that we build up in our heart. and One of the, one of the questions that we ask is, what are you afraid of? You, you know how that question goes. When you think about the things that you're afraid of, then then whatever it is, I'm afraid of dying, or I'm afraid of the death of the person that I love, or I'm afraid of this person's disapproval, or I'm afraid of what news the doctor is going to bring, or I'm afraid of the future, or I'm afraid of the past, or whatever it is, that thing that we're afraid of becomes our idol, what we worship. And we can get at our idols in another way with this question. What would take away my joy? What would steal from me my joy? And whatever that is, is an idol. Now, this is a different question than what would make me sad. It is not a sin to be sad. In fact, we see Jesus weeping at the death of Lazarus. Remember that? And the, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And they looked and saw Jesus weeping, mourning the death of his friends. And they said, look at how he loved him. This means, because Jesus never sinned in his life, that it is in fact a good work to be sad. That it's a good work to cry, to mourn the death of our loved ones. There's a lot of things that we love and that we care about uh, people, uh, uh, the, the vocations that the Lord has given to us. And, and when these things are hurt or when they're lost, or whatever it is, we're sad. And this is good, a good work. It teaches us to long for the resurrection when Jesus will return, and bring it an into sin, bring it into death, bring it into tears, bring it into sorrow, all these things. So the question, what takes away my joy, is different than what makes me sad. But this question, what takes away my joy, gets at what do I understand to be the source of my joy? Where do I find contentment in this life? Now, here, I think, is the picture. I'm working on this picture so you all can help me, especially to refine the picture and to see that it's helpful. But here's the picture I want to put in your imagination. Imagine you're a farmer. And you have the water for your crops from this pond that's here. And you use that pond to water, you know, the animals, if you water animals. Is that what you... To irrigate the crops, you know, you're using this pond. That's the source of your water. But now, one day, an enemy or something happens and the, the, the creek that feeds that pond dries up. Now you think to yourself, well, there's no more water? And so you lay down and die. Or you go and you track up the creek to figure out what happened. And you go up the creek and you realize that there was another pond feeding that pond. So now you have another source of water and you use that water to, to feed the, or to water the crops or whatever farmers do with water. <laughs> Let's just Until it dries up. And so you go to the next pond. And the next and the next. And you realize that there's nine ponds, one fed into the other, but they all dry up. And whenever each one dries up, you have a chance to despair, to lose hope, to say the water's gone. Until finally you've gone through all nine of these ponds and you've found at last the spring or the source, where the water comes from. And it never runs dry. You see? You see? Now, this is how it is with the Ten Commandments. If I'm looking for my joy and my contentment in the Ninth and Tenth Commandments, that will be taken away from me. If I'm looking for my joy in my own good name and my reputation, the Eighth Commandment, that'll be taken away as well. If I'm looking for joy in the Seventh Commandment, the things of this life, the possessions that the Lord has given me, then that lake dries up also. If I'm looking for joy and contentment in my own identity, in the gift of marriage and children, then that goes away too. If I lo- go to the Fifth Commandment and I'm looking for joy there in my life, the fact that I have a beating heart, that will end. So I go to the fourth commandment and I try to find joy that at least there's some sort of order in the world. But that comes crashing down. So now I'm back to the third commandment to worship to the Lord's word. But that sometimes, too, is taken away from me. So now I'm back to the second commandment, the gift of prayer. And that at last dries up so that all I'm left with is the first itself. God who stands there and says, I am your God. And that is where our joy comes from. That is the source. That that is the fountain. That is the place that never runs dry. In fact, I think God does this in the Ten Commandments. In the first commandment, He takes away everything from us, everything that we would trust in, everything that we would fear, everything that we would love, every place that we would find our joy, so that there is nothing left but God Himself. You shall have no other gods before me. And He is it. He is the source. And when we get there, something quite incredible happens. When we've traced the fountain all the way back to the source, then all of a sudden it opens up as a floodgate and flows down and fills all of these other ponds. So now we have prayer in the Lord's name. Now we have worship with the Lord's gifts. Now we have the gift of order in the world, the fourth commandment, all as a gift from God. We have our life, not in and of ourselves, but from the Lord. We have our family, and we have our possessions, and we have a good reputation, and we even have contentment all from the Lord, from Him in His name, as a gift from His goodness and mercy. And so that even though these things might be taken away from us, the devil would come and dry up the seventh commandment pond so that we don't have any stuff, or the devil would come and dry up the fifth commandment pond so that one day we have to go and die, or whatever it is, it doesn't matter, because we know that our joy comes from the source itself. See the picture? Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Or as it was with the disciples. Your joy will be taken from you, and you will be sorrowful, but I will return, and you will see Me, and you will have great joy. And Jesus says, You will have sorrow now, I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. This is what we're taught to sing in the hymn. Take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife. Let these all be gone. They yet have nothing won. The kingdom ours remains. If we have the Lord and His goodness, then we have everything. So today, we repent. We repent of looking for joy in all of the gifts of God rather than in God Himself. And we rejoice that Jesus has so bound us up to Himself that how it is with Him is how it is with our joy. And it is this way with Jesus. He was crucified for you, for your sins, for all that you've done wrong, for every commandment that you've broken and every commandment that you've failed to keep. He died for those so that He forgives you. And that forgiveness is unassailable. And Jesus is not only dead, but He is raised. He is out of the grave for you. He is at the right hand of God the Father for you. He prays for you. He loves you. He delights in you. And He even finds His joy in you. So we have joy in this. That Jesus is raised for you. And that, dear saints, is a joy that no one can take from you. A joy that will be yours forever. This is your life. This is your hope. And this is your peace. In the name of Jesus, who was raised from the dead. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.